Are you ready? It's that time! Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Man, Buns, and Jesus. We're here. We're happy to be here with you, whoever you are, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening. And you know what? I didn't tell Ben I was going to do this. I'm going to switch it up today. Here's the shameless plug. If you know anybody who feels like they don't have a place in church, or you feel, or you know anyone who feels like church has to look exactly how they think it should look, send this podcast to them because it'll be useful. Like, subscribe. We have a Facebook page. Use it if you want. Now at the end, there won't be shameless plugs because I got you already. Boom. In any case, I'm one of your hosts, Pastor Josh Laborious. Uh, I serve out in Eastvale, Corona area in California. And uh, the other voice you'll be hearing on this podcast that I'm assuming you're listening to instead of watching is the esteemed Benjamin Olschlager, uh, Reverend Pastor Saint in uh, in Lake Orion, Michigan. What are we talking about today, Ben? Well, we're going to be continuing on with our series in First Corinthians. Uh, we're looking at the back half of chapter 12 today. Um, yes, we're not going in order. Deal with it. We do what we want. Um, we're starting in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of, uh, of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or great, Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body that the members may have had may have the same care for one another if one member suffers all suffer together if one member is honored all rejoice together now you are the body of christ and individually members of it and god has appointed in the church first apostles second prophets third teachers then miracles then the gifts of healing helping administering in various kinds of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will, st- and I will show you a still more excellent way. 
if you're watching this podcast, which most of you aren't, uh, but if you are, you might think that all Lutheran pastors look pretty similar. Uh, they look but like only scruffy. if we're the only two Lutheran pastors you've ever seen. That's true. Um, or a good probably third of our denomination's pastors under the age of 30. No way. Not with the man buns, but the scruffy scruffiness. I guess. I like to consider my facial hair not scruffy. <laughs> I the keep point it trimmed was... pretty neat. The point I was trying to get to is if we're the only two Lutheran pastors you've ever seen, you might think we're a pretty monolithic bunch. Uh, but the reality is that we are not. We're the weirdos, um, in case you We didn't. are the weirdos. Um, we are the guys who grew their hair long enough to annoy the old ladies at church. Um, what do you mean? I did it to annoy our classmates at the seminary. That's fair. I appreciate that about you. Um, I think I mostly did it because it, it was laziness at first, and then I kind of liked it, so then I kept it. <laughs> um, also, COVID <laughs> couldn't get a haircut for like six months. Um, I had scissors at home, my guy. I don't trust myself. I'm not artsy. Anyway. This whole discussion about hair and hygiene <laughs> is to say uh, it's a good thing that not everybody looks like Josh and I. It's a good thing that not everybody shares the same opinions and views as Josh and I. It's a good thing that not everybody has the same skill sets as Josh or I. Uh, it's good that our members are you know, variously skilled. It's good that our churches are variously skilled and sized and positioned and resourced because the body is not monolithic. Paul goes to, you know, frankly, kind of hilarious lengths to make sure that that's clear in our text that uh, I just read a couple minutes ago. Um, and that reflects in the, the church at large. And today, Josh and I are going to kind of dive into why it's important that we have, and this is going to be a trigger word here, Josh, uh, diversity in the church. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. And I promise you that if you heard that word and cringed, we are not speaking of this in the political sense. We're speaking of this in the sense that uh, Paul is talking about here in the text. It is good that we have a diversity of members. Because we can't all be eyes. We can't all, all be hands. Josh and I are great mouths, but the mouth can't really do anything oh. except get you in trouble. That's fair. I can <laughs> I wonder where you were going with that. <laughs> so josh i think my my first question today is just thinking about your experience in church um what like okay first as a pastor what has been a joy to you as you've interacted with 
some of the various pastors around your circuit, around your district um, that have different skill sets, different opinions on things? Um, kind of in a very broad sense, I am really appreciative of this is going to, this is going to sound how it's going to sound. And it's, it's meant taken in the best way possible. I'm, I'm very thankful for all of our brothers who got called into Midwest churches. <laughs> and they're happy about that. I, I was on a video call with a guy um, yesterday who was talking he like, he's, he's pretty happy in the Midwest and kind of the the different mindset you have out there um and i'm really thankful that because the people who live in the midwest need people to minister them just like everybody else and i'm not a great fit for most of those contexts mostly because if josh tried to spend a winter in the midwest you would find him as an icicle. On the Actually, side of the believe it or not, that is not that's <laughs> not the the reason. I have a tendency to push the envelope, and if I see something that should change, I'm going to push for that. And most Midwest cultural groups are are change averse. So that's fair. That's fair. Um, we. Uh... Not There's necessarily a reason that Ludacris dinners still exist in the Midwest and nowhere else in the world. In any, so I'm thinking. Do you know what Ludafisk is? Huh? Do you know what Ludafisk is? It's some like rotten fish, isn't it? Basically, fermented fish. Gross. <laughs> You're right. Some people like it. Well, some Not people me. are wrong. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but kind of in a in a more in a more individual sense, right? I am thankful that I have members of my congregation who handle different different parts of ministry because I either don't have the the ability to or don't have the the time to. Uh, what comes to mind, we have we have a lot of people who serve in different roles, musically speaking. I play no instruments. And I don't sing. So it's it's really good that, you know, there are other members of our part of the body of Christ who have that ability. Um, Let's so clarify something. Josh does sing, just not well. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for that. Actually, you're you're better than a lot of people I know. I give yourself I know a my place to sing quietly enough that I don't throw anybody else off. So there we go. Um, but I I want to make because when you're doing your introduction, several like disparate thoughts came to mind. Sure. The first kind of leads into leads out of the response you gave and that is i think the real value and this is what is being talked about here in corinthians is i think we're better off if we look to one another as 
and our, our various roles as complementary to one another. Because I think our tendency is, is very often to compare roles one to another to, there, there's almost a level of competition, like what is more valuable? Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not gonna say that there's no truth to that mm -hmm. because there are some roles that are more in, indispensable than others. I think if we're being completely honest, but the reality On a practical is, level, yeah, um, it's the the point Paul is making here is that you need different people and different things and different attitudes to fill different roles. Mm -hmm. But I think what is critical here, and this is where he's saying, you know, there's one body. And at the head of that body is Christ. So there's a lot of there's a lot of diversity. Is the is the word Ben used earlier? Uh, and there are a lot of people with complementary roles, but all pulling towards the one goal, the one mission, and that is the gospel. Um, and kind of the analogy I would use: if you look at a body, there is diversity in the body right? Arms, legs, hands, feet. Mm -hmm. But it's a limited diversity, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't have scales, right? No one is growing. A, well, I shouldn't say that. Most people are not growing a second heart. Uh, most people don't have a tail. And I say most because I know there's like cosmetic surgery that people get a tail. And it's also a genetic thing. You can actually grow a tail. Like one in every in any case, people or something have the diversity is limited because and bringing this back to the church, there are some things that are counterproductive to the mission. Mm -hmm. So I and and this was my thought in me when you said oh, I'm going to bring up a trigger word. I was like he's going to say diversity, and I want to be clear, <laughs> diversity. And and this might be a hot take, but you know, I don't care. Diversity is not a blanket good. Diversity for diversity's sake is not a good thing. Diversity when it is useful and when it pursues a mission that is good, mm -hmm. then diversity is good. Mm -hmm. It's like if if you're twining a rope together and you want the rope to be stronger and you have a bunch of different materials that are coming together to make it stronger, that's great. If you cover the whole thing in razor wire, that's a diversity of material. That's probably not going to help its end application, right? Um, so that's... Uh, but on the flip side of that, you've got like reinforced concrete, which <laughs> great concrete addition. on its own sucks in, in, uh, in tensile strength and uh, is great in compression. Steel, great in tensile strength, is fine in compression, but it's really expensive. So you put the two together, you get a relatively cheap and strong building material. Yeah. Which we, we have experienced firsthand when we laid that fire pit. I wonder if it's still there. I need to ask my guy at the seminary. I imagine it's still there. I, we built that thing to last. It's yeah, still did. there. Um, yeah. and, and what this, and this, I have, I have mixed feelings on, so I want to see where you land on this. Sure. Are denominations good diversity or harmful diversity? Mm. Because part of me, I have seen there are people who have 
right or wrong, they have major issues with, say, the Lutheran Church. And if it was us or no one, I don't know that they would go to church. I don't know that they would be connected to the body of Christ. But they find another church that's maybe more in line with their politics or their, their preferences of how a church runs or kind of their general attitudes. They go to that church, and while I would argue that their the theology of the church maybe needs some correction somewhere, um, they're still connected to the gospel, right? And they're still in that community that's going to bring them back to the saving grace of Jesus. Um, so on one hand, I'm like, it's it's probably it's maybe actually a good thing that we have all these different denominations because it connects to people in different ways. But on the flip side. From an outside perspective, it looks like Christianity is fractured, and that, and then when we preach about the unity of Christ, people are like, "Wait, that's not how you practically are," mm-hmm. and 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 it makes us into hypocrites. So I'm like, "Well, is the diversity of denominations is it supporting the mission, or is it harmful to the mission?" Look, three disparate thoughts, and I, I brought them together like they were actually on the same track. Look at that. Nice. What do you think? Like, I genuinely don't know where I land. What do you think? Are we um, going to say other denominations are a good thing here on this Lutheran podcast? I'm going to give you the most uh, one diplomatic and two Lutheran that, answer. That of all doesn't time. sound like you. It depends. Um. <laughs> Is your wife sitting across the table giving you a death glare that you have to play nice? No. Uh, no, she is not. Um, my, so, on the good side, speaking to the current, like, the current situation of the church, if we had all of this theological disagreement that we currently have in the church shoved into one body i think that would be a disservice um because we'd be presenting a unified front as a incredibly disunified front we kind of talked about this last week with the the communion passage right where like you you gotta deal with the disagreements yeah question before you continue though sure if we were in a single denomination, and I'm not saying like we forced one now, mm-hmm. if if the Catholic Church had never split, do you think the theological disagreements would have arisen to be as numerous as they are today? Or do you think that... There's the, so much revisionist history there that I don't want to try and track down. Because oh. you could say, like, if the Catholic Church doesn't split, then maybe we don't get the the Enlightenment. And if we don't get the Enlightenment, then we don't necessarily quite get the same level of, like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Inquisitiveness? Tendency yeah. to challenge things? Yes. Yeah. Sure. Uh, on Scripture specifically? Like, which is what led to a lot of the the theological disagreements. Um, But 
who's to say that wouldn't have happened eventually anyway, probably just from some force outside the church. Um, and like is a horribly corrupt uh, medieval style Catholic church any better than the the multitude of denominations that we have now, like an unchecked medieval corrupt Catholic church. So like th there's so much in that loaded question that yeah. I'm just not going to really now that I've given you a three minute response as to why I'm not going to give you a response. <laughs> um, I can respect that. Um, so in the sense that I think we're honest, denominations are a great thing because it means that we aren't trying to pretend that we're something we're not. Um, even within that world though, there are still like unity within some denominations that are incredibly not unified. Um, I think of like United Church of Christ, which is a very um, like Calvinist uh, church body that used to preach that uh, if you weren't UCOC, um, you weren't saved. Uh, is now in full uh, altar and pulpit fellowship with the Methodist Church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, um, some liberal Baptists. Um, like, there, uh, there's just so much about that that's kind of running contrary to this thought in my head, at least. Um, but I, like I said, on the sense that we acknowledge that there are differences in our church, I think denominations are a good thing. And I think they often allow us to, like, allow people who are raised Christian to wrestle with their doubts and questions um, in a often still Christian way. Um, and this is me being gracious, I think, to some denominations, but like, yeah, I, I think for our listeners, um, especially our more critical listeners, it is worth saying, like, when we're having this discussion, we're talking about denominations that we have disagreements with, mm -hmm. but fundamentally, we still proclaim the same gospel. We're, we're yeah. talking about denominations that we believe at the end of the day are saved, even if they, they don't, they're not quite where they should be on theology. Um, mm -hmm. They are still saved. They, they believe in the divinity of Christ and in the power of a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. um, One of so that's the, just uh, a caveat for anyone listening who's maybe more critical. We're, we're yeah. narrowing our focus, even if we're not being explicit about it. Uh, an example of this. Um, Josh, do you remember the the guy who was the uh, um, advisor for the Lilly Grant that the seminary got um, to study creation and creation theology? The guy whose like interviews we had to watch during um, creeds and confessions. I'm losing you so hard. All I right. do not recall that. <laughs> so um, 
a handful we of years We might not ago, have had the same creeds and confessions class. That's fair. Um, it may not have even be uh, may not have even been creeds and confessions. It might have been a different class. I can't remember. Uh, it might have been church and world. Doesn't matter. Um, so, the seminary, the seminary that Josh and I attended, a Lutheran seminary, got a grant from a um, non-denominational Lutheran or not Lutheran Christian. Um, like foundation funding and uh foundation to do a study on um the various viewpoints around the nature of creation our denomination holds to a I'm, the closest you could call it would be a young earth creationist perspective um though there's a lot of baggage with that um and then there's also old earth creationists um that the seven days are, are more figurative. God took his time, but he still made everything in, kind of in the pattern of, of Genesis 1. Um, or um, what's the word I'm looking, or what's the, the title I'm looking for? Evolutionary. Um, used basic, like there's a third perspective that says God used evolution to create. Um, and the guy that they were, that was like their advisor, um, or kind of giving them the scientific side of that study, I believe was Presbyterian Church in America. Um, and he had his disagreements theologically with the staff at Concordia, but, um, he found a church body that allowed him to kind of process his doubts, work through his doubts, work through his questions uh, around science and theology and do so in a way that helped him to grow in his faith rather than to run from it. Um, and so I think that can be a strength of the like multitude of denominations that we have. On the flip side, um, especially within the Western world, denominations just become another market in the marketplace. Uh, it's it's kind of a commercial thing. Um, <laughs> the more I think about that answer, the more I'm liking it. Sorry, I'm praising myself here. Um all hail the, Benjamin. Thank you. Um the uh so that there is research, market research that says um in countries and in, in cultures with more of a high view for tradition, people will stick with what they know. Um there's no amount of flashy branding or advertising that can really push people off of that. So like in um in Italy, families will hand down from one generation to the next, hey, you need to go to this farm for your olive oil, or you need to go to this market for your bread. You need to go to this place for your pasta if you don't make your own. Um, and like these family businesses can stay in business for generation after generation after generation because things just keep getting handed down. Um, 
But in the United States, there's little to no brand loyalty anywhere. Um, and that includes within denominations. So, so many churches in our day and time have just taken to, um, well, what can I do to stand out? Right. We, we joked about that uh, drummer hanging from the ceiling of the church at Christmas. And I think in multiple podcast episodes at this point, but like that is a function of this, of this idea of this mentality among churches that it is all now a competition. We must do what we can to stay alive as a church. Which isn't, a, I mean, I, this might be a kind of an aggressive statement. That is not a faithful way to go about it. No, it's not. Like, um, if you're, for most of you listening, not, not being pastors, when you go to a new city, when you move, whatever you find your lutheran church you you go to lcms church locator you find your your closest lutheran church and that's your or church. whatever denomination you're coming from right it's not a i'm gonna church shop and find the one that fits best you mm -hmm. you go to the one who advocates the theology that you have confessed and mm -hmm. that is your church. And mm -hmm. is their branding going to be great? Maybe, maybe not. Is their service going to be what you like and what you enjoy? Maybe, maybe not. But that's all superficial to how, I mean, you go to the church that's going to give you sound doctrine. Mm -hmm. um, all that to say, I, I think we might have diverged a little bit from where we meant to go with that. I was going to bring us back here. Um, so all of that is to say, like, diversity does obviously have its strengths and weaknesses. Um, but when I think, or when it's done well, it definitely builds up the church. Um, because, I mean, an example might be something like, in a lot of places, um, it was just kind of a tradition that you went to church with your parents and then that became your church for a while. And then like, um, kind of whatever happens from there. If you like from a mental health perspective, if you went through a church that your parents were a large part of, um, but then you experienced some sort of, um, physical, mental, spiritual abuse at that church that got rectified by the church, but like you now have PTSD and that is a trigger. It's probably good that there's hopefully another church in the area that can serve you. Right. Um, on a less like dramatic scale, um, sometimes it can just be hard to step out of the shadow of someone. Um, for example, Josh, your dad is a career DCE and pastor at this point. Um, is uh, your church in Warner Robins the longest he's ever stayed at a church? Correct. Um, and he's at what, like 10, 15 years there now, if not more? 
15, 16. Okay. Yeah, he's been there um, a minute. It would be very difficult, perhaps if not impossible, for you to take a call there and not be compared to him, which I don't know like how you feel about that. But for a lot of people, like that's not a position they want to be in, right? So it's a good thing that there are other pastors, that there are other churches. Um, like you found a, a church in California that uh, enjoys the skill set you bring. If Warner Robins needed needs another church or another pastor, excuse me, like there are other people who have a skill set uh, that they are looking for that it doesn't have to be you. Um, and that can happen on a, a lay level too. Like if, <laughs> if you're listening to this and your uh, mom was head of the ladies guild for 30 years and you're just like, I don't know if I can follow in her footsteps. Everybody's going to try and force me into the same role because they think that my mom and I are alike and I'm, we're just not, that's not my, that's not my shtick. That's not my, my strength. Um, great. Do what you got to do. And if, if people won't leave you alone and you need to find another congregation in order to actually serve in the ways that you're skilled to serve, I'm not going to encourage you to do it, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop you either. Um, yeah, I, I think those are some of the big benefits of diversity in the church. Just being that there are multiple options in a lot of places so that people can find distance if they need it. Yeah, I think that's that's another fair point. Um, but kind of to to bring this back down to where we started, and maybe even more more in line with what this passage is talking about, is on an individual level, mm -hmm. like within a specific church body. Mm -hmm. um, and that is that is recognizing that different people have different capabilities uh right like i'm going to take a really simple example from our practice here at edgewater so each sunday morning there is a team kind of behind making worship happen mm -hmm. that team includes a hospitality person who's kind of greeting people as they come in who's setting up the coffee maker who's organizing that kind of stuff we have someone who runs the soundboard we have someone who runs slides we have an elder who is helping with communion. We have an usher who is helping uh, dismiss people for communion. We have a reader. Mm -hmm. We have people to set up and take down. Okay. There are some people who are very well suited to hospitality, right? Very welcoming, always have a smile on their face. You know, they, they love interacting with people and, and just the social butterfly kind of thing. They're great for hospitality. Very frequently, that skill set does not overlap with someone who is good with soundboard and who can quickly see where all the connections are, who can troubleshoot technology on the fly, 
that kind of stuff. And in the same, mm -hmm. in the same vein, right. And I'm not speaking to anyone who does any of these jobs at Edgewater. I'm sure you are a master of both worlds. Right. Um, but like I, myself, uh, I know a lot of people cause I, I studied, uh, computer science at Vanderbilt. Um, I know a lot of guys who would be very comfortable running a soundboard. They know how it works. Heck, if you needed them to, they could crack it open and fix the internals. If you said, I want you to stand by the door and greet people as they come in, they would leave. <laughs> they wouldn't even yeah. tell you no. They would just leave. Um, yep. And th those skill sets are different in the same way. Um, we talked about this recently in, in the church. We have some elders. They're great for helping with communion. And they are great spiritual leaders in the congregation. But if you're asking them to get there early and move around these giant carts with a ton of supplies in them and move a, a subwoofer that weighs probably close to 100 pounds, they can't do it. Mm -hmm. Especially so not my elders. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's and in that way, different people have different skill sets and they work together to make Sunday morning happen. And you can broaden that out to all sorts of things to the church, right? Yeah. It's good that you have people who are kind of, they're focused on the numbers and they, they're they on the council or the management team or whatever you call it. And then there are mm -hmm. people who said the numbers aren't important. We, we really need to get to discipleship and spiritual growth. And it's like, those people are great when you put them on the board of elders or something like that. Um, and it's important to have both of those voices in, in leadership. Um, yeah, it's on an individual level, it's really important to have these complementary gifts mm -hmm. in a congregation because you need all these different roles. That that, mm -hmm. that just is what it is. And you need people to fill them and to fill them well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't tell if you're out of words or if you're deciding whether or not you should say what you're about to say. Uh, option three. What? Figuring out, figuring out how to phrase what I want to say. Oh, very good. Then. Yeah. Um, yeah, to expand this up a level. We're, uh, well, excuse me. <clears throat> We're, uh, like taking this from Sunday morning to the, the scale of the church or taking this from the scale of the church to, um, the scale of the body of Christ. We're not all called to be the same. And, um, a guy that we've referenced a few times on this podcast um pastor david zoll he's an anglican pastor and author um wrote a book called seculosity we've definitely referenced that on the on the podcast too yeah i think i actually linked us to it the last chapter of that book is called the seculosity of jesus land and what he's saying in that chapter is that we assign a hierarchy to everything from 
working in church to um, the level of importance you carry as a parent for your five-year-old's t-ball team. Like, as ridiculous as that is. Um, and on the church level, for so many people, that means I am not being a good Christian unless I'm a missionary, a pastor, teaching Sunday school, on the church council, involved in some board, doing everything I absolutely possibly can at the church. Um, and as, as a pastor, and I hope, Josh, you would echo this sentiment, I would be far more happy if some of my folks that spent 30 plus hours a week at church I don't have that many of those, and this is going to single somebody out that I don't actually want to single out. Ignore that time frame. Some of my folks that are most involved, I think, lose that a little bit. And I would be far more um, impressed, I guess, or like... Yeah, we'll go with impressed by where their faith is at. If they took some of that time and dedicated it to, I'm going to go minister to my neighbors. I'm going to go minister to my kids. I'm going to go show the love of Christ to the people in my life that aren't here right now. That's not telling you don't go to church. That's just saying, if you're doing four different volunteer jobs at church, and You've never talked to your uh, your family about Jesus, and some of them are not churchgoers anymore. Reorganize your priorities. Yeah, well, and I I think, and the, the, Paul talks about this with you know the which body part does he single out? He says uh, which time ears, eyes, toes. Nose, fingers? No, in verse 15, it says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That doesn't make it any less part of the body. So, like, if you're looking at this and you're saying, well, I'm not, I'm not really uh, well-suited to be in management or to be a pastor or even to be a Bible study leader, like, any of those things Ben mentioned and more. And you're thinking, well, I don't, I'm not really like in this. Uh, mm. Well, the Bible just said that's a stupid idea. So, <laughs> and, and so if you want to say, well, what, what, what does a good Christian look like? You want my honest opinion? You, you know what it takes? So I look at someone and I'm like, they're, they're doing like, they're, mm -hmm. they're in a solid place for their faith. They're in worship consistently. They make they make Sundays a priority. They are involved in some sort of group ministry during the week. It doesn't necessarily have to be a small group, but they are gathering with other people and they all share the faith, right? Because then it you're making that a priority, not just on Sunday morning, but somewhere else during the week too. Um, and then... What does your personal devotion life look like? And not 
I not how much you're reading or how much you're doing. Is it consistent? Are are you working to grow? That's the kind of stuff that I look in and say, like they're in a spiritually growing place or they're in a spiritually healthy place. It's not what volunteer roles you mm-hmm. you fill at the church mm-hmm. or what different things you do at the church. Now, do I think that sometimes all of that spiritual stuff is going to lead you into serving the church in different roles? Yeah, sure. Because in that process, you're going to think to yourself uh, you know, that maybe there's a call for you to use one of your skills in one spot or another. Um mm-hmm. But I think the idea that you have to do certain things a certain way for the church to be a good Christian is a silly idea. And and Paul echoes, or I guess I'm echoing Paul when I say that. Uh, to, to summarize everything you just said, and maybe even more, if we look at you and go, yeah, you're living to the best of your ability, a Christ-like life. We are over the moon. And for some of you, that may mean you're hyper-involved at church because your family may not live in the area, you're single, and you've got lots of time. So why not? For some of you, that might mean you make it to worship, but the rest of the week, you're taking care of your uh, elderly parents, um, your helping your kids babysit their kids, uh, picking them up from school, teaching them the faith along the way a little bit too, um, and loving your neighbors in the process. You know, like, live, live the Christian life in your situation to the best of your ability. And Josh and I will be thrilled. And that is like, that is the kind of diversity that we are looking for, because not everyone is going to look the same way in living the Christian life. Um, So if you are looking at a neighbor, a friend, a a fellow congregation member and going, man, they really live the Christian life. I need to do it like them. No, do it like you. Just do it. Which maybe looks like them, to be fair, right? Which may look like Your neighbors have a lot of commonalities. You know what? It, it, they might be a great role model for you. Yeah. If you have chances dramatically are. different personalities, mm-hmm. it's probably going to look, your, your discipleship is going to look different than theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of an extreme example uh, to kind of drive this point home. If you are a new Christian, your devotional life is, is going to look different than Ben and mine. Mm-hmm. Right, because if one of the goals of devotional life is to expand understanding, not to be too arrogant, but Ben and I have to dig kind of deep for that. We are looking in the weird recesses of theological uh, texts and and right, like uh, even as I, I'm not going to share my screen because I don't know if that would even catch the recording. But when I open my Bible on my computer automatically bible concordia commentary lutheran study bible notes right if i come across a passage and i'm like i want like i have a curiosity that i'm going to dive into i'm diving into a concordia commentary that's like if you've ever read them they are they're like serious academic texts 
If you're a new Christian, you don't need that. Right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it looks different, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. So don't expect your devotional life, your spiritual walk, to look the same as everybody else's. Because that's silly. That's a silly idea. Um, yeah, I think I think we're I think we I think we killed the horse. I don't know if we need to beat it anymore. I'm I'm gonna give you a takeaway here. All right, let's go to takeaways. What do you got, Ben? That's maybe a new image. <laughs> you want to replace so the image of the dead horse I just uh, conjured up? Well, that's good too, but it's going to be kind of down the same road, unfortunately. Oh, uh, I use we're taking example. a dark turn here at the end of the episode. No, 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 no. So I, I use this example in in. I was just teaching confirmation today. I got a couple of kids who, um, their family moves all over the place throughout the year. So we're trying to get the the educational part of confirmation in in a pretty brief time period here, but. Uh, they like we were talking about how um it helps for us to have a body to help us understand scripture and that's part of the reason we come together as a church is because together we can process scripture and and, uh like see how it impacts life in different ways and one of the examples that i gave was when i was in in seminary and i think you did the same um like module uh, I served at St. Louis County Jail. Oh yeah. Uh, under Chaplain Stanley, uh, who was an incredible guy. Um, but neither Josh nor I, nor Chaplain Stanley, has ever killed anyone. And so it's it's difficult for us to wrap our minds around the like weight and trauma and thought process that comes along with like what leads to the kind of sin that devalues life the way that a murder does but when you've got a guy who's gone through that either because he himself is struggling with mental health or you know uh, community pressures whatever the case may be and he is now facing the repercussions of having committed that crime. And he's gone through the process of, of confession, of repentance in the wake of that sin. It's a lot easier for him to tell me, to tell Chaplain Stanley, to tell Josh, hey guys, this is what I wrestled with. This is the reality that I had to go through. And that's probably going to be a lot more similar to the guys that were on his cell block that were wrestling with something similar than when Josh and I confess a sin, breaking the fifth commandment for, you know, aggression against a church member that's getting on our nerves. Um, And together through the body of Christ, we can grow in our knowledge of the human side of the repercussions of sin the the effects of uh, life in this world on the human heart 
the human condition. And we can use that to grow together. Um, and that's just another example of how this diversity of the body really can help build up the church. Because we don't want everybody to have to go through these things. And yet, because we do, we can lean on that shared knowledge to help each other grow. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the takeaway I have for you a little bit quicker than Ben's is uh, you're welcome. Don't underestimate the value of your skills to the church mm -hmm. and don't devalue the skills of others who are faithfully striving to contribute. Um, yeah. That's good. I'll, I'll stick with that. I'll shut up there. So uh, some prayer requests for you to, to put on your, on your prayers this week. Pray for unity in churches. Uh, pray for different people to step into roles that fit them well and that match their skill sets. And pray for leaders in the church, especially pastors, to uh, adeptly recognize those skills and deploy them in a way that is going to be of the best benefit to the church as they serve. So, um, I wanted to toss it there too. Pray for good diversity. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we did our shameless plugs already. So you're free. Class dismissed. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.